the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I am here with the head of Hoops, Mr. Aaron Beach, who is, I don't know, man, you're, uh, are you kind of back in action a little bit? I think, to be honest with you, let's be fully clear for folks out there, he's got a budding young star <laughs> in his in his brood that's, uh, that's going to make some waves in the Motley Terrace, uh, in the Motley Terrace women's uh, basketball community. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Mr. Uh, so we, we, we need to call you Ainsley's dad from now on, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I guess. I, I'm definitely spending my share of time um, with, uh, with the girls' youth basketball yeah. uh, set up in, up in Montlake Terrace. That's, I think that's, that's where the bulk of my time has been spent these and days. And I think that is time well spent. Absolutely. But it is Monday. We are here to recap what we all saw Sunday, and you got a chance to see it in person like I did. And that would be Washington's 83-76 loss to number nine Gonzaga. Washington was 22 at the time. I think they're still 25 in the coaches' poll. They dropped out of the AP now. Um, initial thoughts? <sighs> well, so it was a hell of a game, right? <laughs> that, was a, that, was a, that was a heavy sigh there, Beach. <laughs> it, it was a hell of a game. I really enjoyed it. I think everyone was thoroughly entertained, despite the results. Okay. Right. Um, that being said, I think we definitely saw the the difference between uh, an elite top ten caliber team and a team that's still kind of figuring out who it is. That's got an awful lot of talent, uh, but just hasn't really figured it out yet. And that was my as the game was winding down and and Gonzaga was really answering everything Washington was throwing at them every possession. Um, I, I came away with such an appreciation for the way that they execute. Uh, versus Washington that's really kind of relying on athleticism and um, kind of some willy-nilly shot-making to stay in the game. And that's what, at the end of the game, at the end of the day, that's, I think, what killed them is Gonzaga's ability to execute with those fantastic bigs they have versus Washington that was similarly built but just hasn't really played together long enough to know who and where to go to, you know, when it matters. It, it Even though I, I know I'm going to delve into another sport here for just a second it feels like the boxing cliche of styles make fights really held true on sunday in the sense that like you said gonzaga style very methodical very much an offense that uses spacing and passing and moving without the ball to try to create some mismatches and try to get some guys in positions where they can take quick shots that are high percentage whereas with washington like you said they'll, they'll rely more on ball screens and motion and, and trying to dump it down to Isaiah Stewart for their points, and then obviously try to move the ball around fast enough where they can maybe create an opportunity on the perimeter. Yep. Um, that really held true for the most part. I thought it was interesting that Washington started the game in the zone, uh, even though, because I, you know, that, that really opens things up for a guy like Corey Kispert, for instance, yep. to shoot the three. And he did have a pretty good day shooting the three. He was okay. maybe only two of seven. But he made a couple big ones. I think overall it was interesting. Washington actually outshot Gonzaga from the field and from the three in they terms did. of percentage. Yep. But I think it's fair to say, you know, when you look at Gonzaga, they still they put up 69 shots 
according, you know, compared yep. to Washington's 55. That means that, yeah, maybe some of their shots weren't falling, but not only were they running enough efficient offense that they were getting multiple possessions, but they were also getting offensive rebounds that were leading to multiple possessions. Yep. Well, and Washington, to their credit, did a really nice job of limiting three-point attempts by by Gonzaga. And, 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 that's I, something, I, and that's something that Hopkins is, Mike Hopkins has really stressed the last couple weeks because other teams have been able to maybe – take advantage of some lax three-point defense, and Washington's also had some difficulty identifying shooters. Right. Well, and when you put Hamir back in that starting lineup, it gives that back line so much length that it's really, you know, the the corner three is the second highest percentage shot in the game. And Washington did a great job of really limiting limiting that last night. Um, Kept Kispert from from knocking down shots out there, and um, those shots weren't available for Gonzaga. So I thought that defensively they did that very well now halftime it was 41 37 what was your overall feelings of the first half especially the way Washington finished it um I I, so I, I thought they I was surprised to be honest with you they 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 were matching Gonzaga's shot making you know they were Gonzaga was so Washington was very measured with what they were doing in the first half and um and had answers, um, you know, and they shot the ball pretty well. You know, it wasn't one of those games where Washington couldn't get buckets. They just couldn't get the right buckets at the right time. Um, so every time it felt like there was a push, you know, okay, Washington just needs this bucket. The, the arena's going to erupt, right? Because right? it felt like that for three quarters of the game, right? Right, where they were just on the threshold of doing something big and taking the lead, and, and it just never materialized. And, and really, I think where they're struggling um, is and, and I've come, another area I've come away with a big appreciation is Jalen Noel and what he did the last two years because okay. um, I apologize um, <laughs> they lack that they right. do not have that guy who goes out and gets the bucket when it matters. Well, it feels like Jaden McDaniel's is going to be that guy if they have enough time for him to learn how to be that guy, and right. I'm not sure they do. But there's no doubt that he has the he has the talent and the raw skill to take people on one-on-one and is honestly one of the few guys right now that is willing to do that despite the potential that he could make a mistake, get a charge, turn the ball over, what have you. That's not stopping his aggressiveness. Yeah, well, and and furthermore, because I kind of thought that Nas was going to be that guy this season. Um, And and Nas was pretty efficient last night. But that being said, um, he still hasn't stepped up and been the guy that they can feel uh, confident that he can get the ba- the basket, you know, in the clutch. And yeah. um, Jaden does feel like that guy. He can get his shot off anytime he wants. But a lot of times, that's a fadeaway jumper from 17 feet. It's not the shot they want. Right. Right. Um, and that doesn't mean he can't hit it. It's just there's a lot higher percentage op- options out there. Washington just hasn't found that, you know, found that, you know, role. They don't have that guy yet. Yeah. It was interesting that like basically a minute, minute 20 into the game, Washington had a five to two lead. That would end up being pretty much their only lead of the game, and it was obviously their biggest lead of the game. It just, because Gonzaga was able to get back into the game so quickly right off the bat, and their offense was so efficient, didn't matter if Washington was throwing a zone at them, throwing man at them, what have you, they were able to find the open spots for the high percentage looks that it just really put so much pressure on Washington to score every time out. It just just felt... It just felt like every possession really mattered, and and I think that's probably why the game was probably such a good game to watch as a neutral. 
Well, and but truthfully, Chris, that's where they're headed here in the next month. Every possession does matter, and we know over the course of the season they've got they've got three weeks to tune up, right? Um, and, and I feel very positive about their overall, you know, potential in the Pac-12. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, um, right now they are a lot of talented guys who are just still finding their way and defining their roles. I mean, they went to essentially a six-man rotation last night. Yeah. Um, you know, Timmons and Hardy got some time, but um, the fact that Hopkins is still tinkering with the starting rotation at this point in the season, um, I'm not going to say it's an alarming red flag or anything like that, but it's clear that they still haven't figured it out yet. And um, I would say that I, I like what Quad A's doing. I, I think um, it seems to me Hopkins needs to bench him more often. <laughs> Because he responds, yeah. right? And even coming out of the second, he didn't hide, Hardy started the second half. As soon as Quade came into the game, he was a game changer, right? So um, they're still figuring this out. Um, they're they're lacking that two guard. I mean, without um, belaboring this too much, um, Jamel Bay struggling. He's really key to this team, and I so far haven't seen. Anything that justifies all the hype that's accompanied him, you know, we heard so much. We've heard so much over uh, about him over the last even year and a half about the potential that he has to be a game-changing player. Um, haven't seen it yet. He was one of seven from three last night, right? Um, or from the field, and uh, one of eight. Sorry, one of four from one three. One of six. One of from the field. One of four from three. And um, but that's been kind of indicative of his play so far this year, and I. Washington can't afford to have a guy out in the court that's not really contributing offensively, as, as good as he is on defense. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too. And not to go back to the individual stuff, but, um, you know, was just curious about um, the second half. You know, Gonzaga, I think a lot of people would have thought, hey, wow, you know, um, you know, they would have gotten double digits, all that stuff. But the largest lead that Gonzaga had in the second half was nine points, and it wasn't that long-lived. It felt like for most of the game, at least covering it, you know, from press row, it just felt like it was always at this four to six, seven point thing that Washington, this wall that Washington just couldn't climb. Yep. They couldn't get over the hump. What, you know, in watching the game in real time, what were your thoughts as Washington was trying to break this thing down, but yet it seemed like every time the team was able to get the, the crowd into it, and like you said, every time that the crowd was just ready to just blow the roof off a of heck ed, it seemed like Gonzaga always had an answer. But so what? What? But what was it about that hump that they just couldn't overcome until maybe really, really late in the game, and then it took a couple dagger threes from the Bulldogs to really take the the game out of reach. Washington couldn't. They it couldn't get a stop. Could not get a stop. I you know, and I don't have the stats at the end of the game, but the last. I don't know, five minutes or so, they're trading buckets, and they were trading three threes for twos. Um, could not get a defensive stop, and um, I think that's experience. But, you know, this isn't Gonzaga's best team either. Um, so I was a little disappointed, in, you know, and I'm a big fan of the zone, you know, and the way that they use it against Gonzaga. I think they deployed it pretty well. But they, um, when, you can't, <laughs> when you can't stop someone from getting a bucket, you know, you're not going to win a game, right? I mean, they just – Washington didn't have the uh, the execution. They couldn't – as the shot clock was running down, they just – they weren't finding the open jumpers, the open looks at the basket. They weren't finding Isaiah Stewart at the end of the game because he was such a presence at the first half. And we don't have the first half stats here, but um, – Well, plus they got in the double bonus with like about six and a half minutes left. Yeah. 
and I think that goes more to the point that Gonzaga really focused their energies on Jaden McDaniels yep. and Isaiah Stewart and really were almost kind of daring the rest of, of Washington's team to find the scoring. Yep. Well, yeah, and, and that goes back to guard play where they're struggling um, and not being able to find your guy at the end. And it's not – it. I would say it's not Jaden at the end of the game. It's Isaiah Stewart, who is a, you know, he's a 60% field goal guy, right? I mean, he's... Right, and he went 9 from 10 for the line. Yep, yeah, so which was, was kind of a revelation, yeah. right? That that one well, I don't was, know if it was so much a revelation, but it, it does go to show that he needs to get to the line a lot. Yep. And he can be counted on to get to the line a lot because he's going to... If he can just... If they can figure out a way to get him the ball, and I don't know if it just means passing the ball quicker around the perimeter to find those angles for those entry passes. But they've got to figure out a way to do that because I thought, again, one of the one of the reasons why Gonzaga was so efficient on offense, and I think, I think it was a bit of a glaring difference when you compared it to Washington, was the fact that their passes were usually almost always on the money mm-hmm. and they were almost always the right pass. Right. Whereas Washington, you just felt like they were so trying to get it into Isaiah that they would force it. And Gonzaga was good about getting deflections and steals. I mean, they had 12 steals on the night. Mm-hmm. It just it just felt like, it, and the more and more that that was happening, the more and more you could tell that they were getting frustrated. But Washington didn't, what, 19 turnovers, right? Yeah. You're not going to beat a top 10 team with 19 turnovers. That's and that's right. been the story for Washington all year. Um, and some of that is just, you know, figuring things out at the point guard position. You know, who's got the ball in their hands, but... You know, Jaden had five turnovers, right? right. Um, and he's going to be, if he's going to be the guy that's got the ball in his hands in the clutch. And uh, I know Quad A had a couple turnovers near the end that were critical. But again, when he has eight assists and three turnovers, you're going to take eight to three. Absolutely. All game long, especially yep. against the top 10 team. Yeah. So, I, I mean, Washington needs to continue finding ways to get the ball into uh, Elijah's hands. There's no, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. So I was going to say too, Beach. So you you started to touch on the rotation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we we can kind of the game is kind of in the rear view now, even though it's only been less than twenty four hours. But again, this is a Gonzaga team that beat Texas A and M on the road by thirty. Mm-hmm. So losing to them by seven at home is not a, certainly no disgrace by any stretch. Yeah, but does that feel like a win to you? It, well, that's the thing. It's certainly no moral victory. I guarantee yeah, I, you. I guarantee you, Hopkins is not. Spinning it as yeah. some sort of moral of it. I mean, this is, you know, Mike Hopkins was still able to get a win over Kansas in Kansas City. So, I mean, he has he has some big non-conference resume wins. The Baylor win. You know, I mean, it, it, he's capable of doing that, pulling that out. So, there's no doubt they felt like they could win this game. And they were in position. Just couldn't find the stops mm-hmm. on defense. Couldn't find them. Couldn't find what they needed to find on offense. But Gonzaga was vulnerable this year too. If this, if there was a year to beat them, this was it. Their their backcourt is fairly pedestrian, yeah. um, and it was Washington's inability to capitalize on that to me that was really one of the big stories. And I think that there is a bit of irony in the sense of when they played in Spokane last year, it was the poise and the leadership of the seniors that got them back in that game and got them to the point where they tied it 
and 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 made a guy like uh, Rui Hachimura making that that mm-hmm. that tough shot at the end to win that game. And we even asked uh, Hop uh, in the media session before the game if he had if they had had a man in their arsenal on, as far as defense last year, would he have maybe switched to quick man to man on that final possession? And he goes, "We'll never know, but it's certainly something you can think about." This, you know, we don't know. We we don't know right. if maybe when they go to Arizona or if they're playing UCLA or Colorado or whoever, Oregon, you know, can they can they pull something like that out in the in the dying moments? to maybe give them an advantage or a possession or two extra that can help them win a game like that. I think, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to find out. That's for sure. But I would say again, the irony is the poison, the leadership of that team last year got them to the point where Mm -hmm. they're on the cusp of winning. It was the, the lack of poise and, and the youthfulness that got them to a certain point, Mm -hmm. but couldn't get them over the hump because they just didn't have that experience that they could rely on. Because the only guys that really had experienced that last year were guys like Sam Timmons mm-hmm. or guys like Jamal Bay, um, guys like Elijah Hardy, but none of those guys were on the floor then. Nas yeah. is the only one. Nas would have been the only one. And Hamir. And Hamir. Those guys would have been the only ones that would have that would have experienced that. And I think that's pretty telling. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I guess I really like Hamir in the lineup. I like what he contributes, and I think it's becoming more and more... Um, clear that his presence there is he's got a very stabilizing presence even though he's not the highest percentage shooter um, but defensively he doesn't make a lot of mistakes he makes the occasional um, spectacular defensive play um, and I I like the um, I, I like that starting lineup last night I thought that was the one I, I think that we're probably going to see that you know I, if I had to guess, that's going to be the lineup the rest of the season. Right. And I thought it was interesting earlier, you talked about how Hop is still kind of tinkering with the rotation and things like that. I kind of see it a little differently in the sense that he ran eight guys on Sunday. So he had the five. He had Jaden McDaniels, uh, Nas Carter, Hamir Wright, Isaiah Stewart, and Quad A Green. And then Jamal Bay came off the bench. Elijah Hardy came off the bench. And then you had Sam Timmons, Sammy right. Timmons. To me, that's a ro- that's a set rotation. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know any other guy that's going to step in Mm-mm. and be a guy that's going to break through. I don't think it's going to be one of the other freshmen. I don't no. see Marcus Sohonis or Raekwon Battle stepping in unless something really, really weird happens. They don't have a lot of depth in the backcourt, so maybe there's a scenario, but we haven't seen it yet. And, and also, is, is it possible that a, a Nate Roberts or a Brian Penn Johnson can break into a lineup just because for a game like Gonzaga, Hop's going to stick with? kind of the tried and true, but maybe, let's say, against Seattle University on next Tuesday, does he maybe try to experiment a little bit more? Does he try to experiment a little bit more when they're in Hawaii, when they're playing teams like Ball State? Right. I mean, it's it's yet to be determined. What do you think might happen? Well, that's what I was saying. You've got three weeks now to tune up against some pretty crappy opponents, to be honest with you. And um, so, yeah, I'm sure he's going to be throwing them a bone. But I think what you just said, those eight guys you just said, that's your lineup the rest of the way. Unless, unless there's some eureka moment with Nate Roberts, right, that he shows you, you just have to put him on the floor because of the dynamic player that he is. But, you know, in the limited opportunities he's had so far, he hasn't done anything with it. Um, it just seems to me that when Elijah Hardy comes in the game, it's defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, he comes in and immediately they'll go to their man. He's been, Hop's been very consistent talking to the media about how he feels like he is a guard stopper. 
Mm-hmm. He's a guy that maybe not necessarily forces turnovers or whatnot, but he feels like he can lock down guys up at the top. Maybe we'll see. I mean, well, I mean, we it's still small sample size. Small sample size, and 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 personally, I, I've been totally unimpressed with their man defense all season. Um, last night was better, but even against um, you know some of the weaker teams, I, to me, it just does not look. It, it, first of all, it stagnates the offense, and they really have a hard time generating momentum. Um, when they're in man, because it's not like they have Matisse out there, you know, you know, getting out, getting a steal, and getting out in transition for dunks, you know, four or five times a game. Um, so they just don't have that. And, and I, I've been a little bit surprised, especially with Will and and uh, Dollar, you know, who are two incredible, you know, coaches of man-to-man defense. And I, I've been a little bit perplexed. I'm not impressed. I wouldn't be shocked to see them just. Uh, eliminate man, you know, based on the lack of success they've had with it this season. I think it's been a worthwhile um, experiment, but to me, it's just not uh, proving to have a whole lot of value. Well, okay. In terms of them having a chance to use it as a, as a changeup, do you buy that argument? Yeah, that's the only way right now I'd use it. Okay, I mean, I, to be honest, and even then, I, I, I think it's kind of a liability regardless. You know, and and. Obviously, they've shown a notion that they out of timeouts, and sometimes they'll show a, they'll show a bit of doubling up, a bit of pressure that way on the ball. What did you think about Gonzaga's their their kind of their one three one trap that they used? At least that's what it looked like to me. Yeah, and it worked very effectively. That was um, well, it slowed the game down, right? Which yeah. was really the whole point of it, right? Because they don't you don't want to let Washington's athletes get out. Yeah, you can't transition, move. right? And so it allowed them to establish. Um, you know, their defense within 10 seconds of the shot clock and, and limit Washington's ability to get things moving or get early offense. So I think that was the whole point of it. I don't think they were looking for all kinds of steals and, and transition buckets. It was simply to slow Washington down because that's where Gonzaga was most vulnerable. That's how I saw it. Do you anticipate that Hopkins could use something like that in a similar way against other teams that might be considered as athletic, maybe in Arizona or in Oregon? Maybe with... Yeah, I think you'd have to get pretty creative. I mean, I, I or, think or, best... does, or does he just think about it as just having on ball pressure and just doing that? Way? Well, that's the thing I was going to say because Quade's to me, who is by far your best point guard option, isn't he's a fair defender, but I haven't seen like anything out of him that makes me think he's a lockdown guy who can be very disruptive, right? Elijah yeah. Hardy's as close, I think, as they have to that, but and while he's quick and nimble and a little bit disruptive, I still don't see him. I don't see enough offense out of him to make it. Um, you know, worth having him in the game for long stretches and having him in that role. Okay. I, I I just don't see it. So to wrap this stuff up, because we are we're running a little long, but I want to get your final thoughts. Okay, Washington seven two, seven and two. Their their two losses are against Tennessee and Toronto, mm-hmm. and Gonzaga. I think I think if people looked at the Baylor result, the Tennessee result, and the Gonzaga result, they probably wouldn't have been shocked. With mm-hmm. a one and two record out of those three games, yep. I think they would have been very pleasantly surprised if it had been two, two and, and one. one. I think it could have been possible, but yeah. we'll see. And then obviously they've taken care of business with the rest of the with the rest of the games they played. Let's say they finish out and they end up so they've got four more games. So let's say they end up uh, eleven and two. Yeah, going into conference play, which is uh, USC UCLA, yep. in Seattle, who are okay. Do you think? 11-2 and two with whatever they try to do these last four games in the non-conference, do you think that's going to set them up where they need to be for Pac-12 play? Yes, I do. Because 
Um, the Pac-12 better this year. I think it's strong, but I don't think it's overwhelmingly strong. I, Oregon's a great team, uh, but Peyton Pritchard's their their guy. You know, they don't have another guy in the top 25 in scoring, so it's not. They're just a solid team. I don't think there's anyone that's going to overwhelm Washington. Uh, there's nobody who can guard Elijah uh, Stewart um, or Isaiah Stewart, um, and. I think Washington's still probably top four teams in the conference, in, okay. in, in my estimation, and still on their way to an NCAA With who else? With Colorado, Arizona? Yep, and, and Oregon. And Oregon? Yep. Okay. Yep, Colorado's solid, right? Okay. Another solid Pac-12 team. I think UCLA, by the time it's all said and done, after they get it figured out, there's a lot of solid. There's just not a lot of great. Okay. And, and I think that when you have that much talent, as much talent as Washington does, I think that puts them in a with the youth, with all the youth and the things that they're still figuring out. I think Washington ends with a lot of momentum, and the conference is kind of set up for them to make a nice run. Do you see them being able to start out conference play the way they did last year? No. When they ran, what they go nine, ten in a row plus whatever no. that was. No, this isn't that kind of team. I don't think. I mean, I, I, again, it, it's all going to boil down to someone stepping up and being the guy, and I haven't seen any sign that there's one guy who can carry this team. Just not going to happen. Not Stewart? Stewart could carry the team, but he's not a guard. you got to have a – it's got to be a ball hand. It's got to be someone who's got the hand – the ball the ball in their hands, uh, a more than – Center and you haven't amount. seen enough. You haven't seen enough of Quade to, to think that he's going to no, be that guy. No, I, I think he's a he's a solid point guard who's going to be a great contributor this season. But no, I don't see I don't see the offense coalescing around him. So you don't see him. You don't see him taking the Pritchard role for Oregon like no, they, like he was for Washington. Pritchard. No, and I, a lot of it has to do with he's just not really a knockdown shooter, you know. And that's kind of key. That to be that guy, you've got to be a hell of a shooter. Um, you've got to be able to knock down your buckets when you've got them open. So all those videos, post game videos of us showing him shooting, shooting, putting up shots after uh, yeah. after games, and him knocking down 10, 11 in a row. You're not you're not sold. No, I, no, and that's not. I, I think he's a really good player. So don't get me wrong. It's just I don't see him as being all conference type of the the guy that Washington needs him to be with this particular roster. And I think, and I'm probably going to answer the question for you though. Who's the guy that needs to step up and be accounted for? Because I think you kind of alluded to Jamal Bay yeah, he's, earlier. He's clearly the guy that's, uh, you know, they're kind of firing on four cylinders or seven cylinders or whatever you want to say. And until he kicks in offensively or doesn't and isn't playing as much, um, yeah. I, I don't think that the offense clicks. I mean, I, I think they're going to continue to get what they get out of Jaden, who will create opportunities and um, will be kind of a high-risk, high-reward type of you know, play every time he touches the ball, right? Um, Elijah Stewart is going to continue to be awesome um, when he gets the ball. Um, you know, you got to get that guy 15 touches a game, you know, or 20 touches a game. That guy's the ball, especially in the Pac-12 where there's not a lot of bigs, and there yeah. really aren't. That he He's poised to dominate, um, you know, if Washington can find a way to really involve him more. I think it's really interesting because you talked about how good the lineup looked with Hamir Wright in the game, and I agree 100%. But if Jamal Bay comes back in and starts starting again, like he has a couple games, you've got five legitimate starters that mm-hmm. can they can all be scorers. Mm-hmm. They can all take over the game, can all be the high scorer for a particular game. I want to know your thoughts and maybe your opinions on if this team has what it takes to be the kind of team that could take advantage of that kind of a lineup. Because 
I look at a guy like Nas Carter, for instance, and clearly he could be the leading scorer of this team night in and night out if he wanted to take that role. Mm-hmm. But he seems like he... He, he wants to defer, mm-hmm. and I think it's in part because I think he's trying to find his niche. Mm-hmm. He's trying to still find his role in this team, yet he's still one of the returning starters that they need to rely on. It, th- he seems to be in kind of a weird spot right now, the way I'm looking at it from the outside. Do you, do you see some of that? Yeah, 100%. Like, he's the guy, and he's pretty efficient. It's not like he's shooting 30%, and we don't have Yeah, no, he was 6-13, of 13, he was 2-6 of six from the field. You know, he had five rebounds, he had uh, three turnovers, but he had a couple blocks. Yeah, he's been very, he's been efficient. Uh, He just hasn't been a leader. He hasn't been the offensive leader. He's been the offensive highlights, you know, and there's a difference. And, you know, you can average 13, 14, 15 points a game and still not be the leader. And Washington needs a rudder. And right now they they really don't have one. Well, and that's why I wonder if, 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 if it's if this all kind of hinges on when Quade Green really takes a hold of this team and everybody kind of understands how he's going to facilitate, because we've seen it. He's had ten assist games, nine assist games, eight assist games. He's had games where he's getting the ball to guys and they're scoring and they're figuring it out. But I think there's also times too where he's not even sure if he needs to be just the guy who's dishing. Or if he also needs to take over a bit of the scoring realm. Because he is he is a point guard in that sense, but he's not really the true point, right? Like, he's he's still looking to score as well. And I think him trying to figure out that those opportunities, I think, will start to maybe allow a guy like Nas to define his role a little more clearly going forward. You might be right. I mean, I totally see what you're saying. And there was a... I think there was a maybe a minute left last night, and he did a he did a left to right right. Yeah. And it was kind of an off balance. Well, no, like, he had he yeah, it was a little runner, but he it, you know something that if you're yeah, he got four, fouled right. Yeah, and he had hit a couple threes, so you felt okay. He was feeling it. Yeah, and so you know that's a, but that's a that's a play you got to make yep. in a stretch. Yeah, and, and furthermore, I didn't feel like that was the shot they wanted anyway out of that, and so it's things like that that tell me he's not quite ready to take on that role. Um, cause I don't, I think he's a good scorer. I don't think he's a great scorer and Washington kind of needs a great scorer. needs great scoring leadership and they just don't have it. Um, whether or not Nas steps up and he's that guy, I don't know. But again, I think that's a mentality. Um, and, uh, he's more of a complimentary piece to me. He's the feed the guy out in the break or hit an open three pointer, but he doesn't seem to, um, he, the ball doesn't flow smoothly, you know, around him like it did with Jalen or Markel or some of the other kind of more electrifying kind of combo type of guards that they've had over the last few years. Right, and I just get the ne- you know, the sense that these next four games are going to be crucial for the offensive piece to kind of come together in that way where they can figure out exactly how they're going to deal with the scoring loads. And, you know, try to not have to worry about dumping it down to Isaiah all the time, but take advantage of those opportunities when they come, not force it, but then also see if they can create maybe a little quicker rhythm, try to get the ball out in the perimeter a little bit more, try to find open spots. And obviously Hop has always talked about the one extra pass, the one extra move, one more of whatever they need to do to try to find a better opportunity to score. But 
not to take away anything from what they need to do defensively because I think in some ways you're right. I think by trying to spend a bunch of time on man, I think they've watered down Mm -hmm. a little bit of what made their zone so good. So we'll see if it ends up being still a big piece of their defense or if it's something that they'll literally just throw in after like timeouts or final possessions to really just try to screw with other teams. Well, and I... I think the time for experimentation is over. I think uh, at this point in the season, we've we've marched as far as we can, messing with the lineup and everything. I think it's at the point now where Hop's got to make a decision, and so these guys can really define their roles. Because with with what he's been doing, he's been trying to figure that out himself. Well, I think we kind of know now, and I don't think there's any magical. You know, he's not going to wave his hand and have any real. There's not any new answers out there to be had, right? It's more about all right, let's fine-tune the roles you guys kind of are what you are let's let's get settled in and get comfortable with what we do and um because right now they're kind of uncomfortable in all of their roles i think isaiah stewart's about the only one that uh really feels good about where he's at and maybe hamir right but even then um you know he had that moment last night where the the through the legs behind the back fadeaway three-pointer yeah. you're like wow that looked really cool that was a terrible shot yeah. but right until, on, it bro- bud. Yeah, until, until he bricked <laughs> until he bricked it i think to be honest with you i think he went he i think hop took him right out of the game he did that. he did so which is a shame because i really like him i really like him <laughs> but don't do that <laughs> <laughs> all right there you go the voice the head of hoops aaron beach giving his two thoughts not only on gonzaga but where the direction is for washington i think Ultimately, you got to be still really positive about where things are going with Washington basketball. The talent is there. Now the team's got to come together. I thought it was telling last night, Isaiah Stewart saying he felt like they had better talent overall maybe than Gonzaga, which you can debate, but I don't think you can debate the fact that he said they had the better team. And I think that's what they're striving for right now. They've got to come together as a team on both ends of the floor to make it work. So uh, before we wrap this up really quickly, for all those people out there that are new to what we're doing on Dogman and you want to get some stuff in your email to, to kind of give you an idea of what we're doing on a daily basis, just send us an email to uh, huskystadium at gmail.com. It's huskystadium at gmail.com. And in the subject of the email, just put newsletter. And we'll put you on our newsletter list. You'll get a daily digest at least once a day on what we're doing generally speaking on the on the uh, on the site but then if there's any breaking news you'll get a newsletter as well anything else that's going on and there's so much stuff going on not just with basketball but with recruiting right now signing day coming up in a little more than a week vegas bowl coming up as well on december 21st uh saturday so there's a ton of stuff going on so if you want to get on our our newsletter list go huskystadium at gmail.com subject night subject line newsletter and we'll get put on, and you get put on that list, and we'll take care of you. So we'll wrap this up here for Aaron Beach, head of hoops. I'm Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. Go dogs! Go dogs!